Today's reading is from 1 Thessalonians, starting in chapter 2, verse 17. But brothers, when we were torn away from you for a short time, in person, not in thought, out of our intense longing we made every effort to see you. For we wanted to come to you, certainly I, Paul did again and again, but Satan stopped us. For what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. So when we could stand it no longer, we thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens. We sent Timothy who is our brother and God's fellow worker, in spreading the gospel of Christ to strengthen and encourage you in your faith so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. You know quite well that we were destined for them. In fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you that we would be persecuted, and it turned out, and it turned out that way, as you well know, For this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. I was afraid that in some way the tempter might have tempted you, and our efforts might have been useless. But Timothy has just now come to us from you, and has brought good news about your faith and love. He has told us that you always have pleasant memories of us, and that you long to see us just as we long to see you. Therefore, brothers... In all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. For now we really live, since you are standing firm in the Lord. How can we thank God enough for you, in return for all the joy we have in the presence of our God because of you? Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy. Well, last week Chris took us through the first one and a half chapters of 1 Thessalonians. If you remember, the Thessalonians were a really new church. Um, But they had been converted by Paul in the message that he brought of Jesus. They had turned away from idols to serve the living and the true God. They had accepted the gospel of Jesus Christ, that Jesus is the Son of God, that it was necessary for him to die on a cross and rise again three days later to take the punishment for their sins. They had been transformed. But now we see that when Paul's writing this letter to the Thessalonians, he wasn't sure if they were standing firm in the Lord Jesus. Paul was actually run out of town by those who hated Christ, leaving the Thessalonians on their own, a massive target for persecution. So Paul writes now to find out about his dear friends, to see how they're faring in such difficult times. I wonder if you noticed when the passage was read to us just how raw and emotional and real Paul's affections are for the Thessalonians. He's actually a really emotional guy. He wears his heart on his sleeve and holds back nothing. 
As we go through this passage, try and pick up on the emotion of his writing, his joy, his anguish, his longing. So today we're going to follow through on Paul's emotional roller coaster of a letter using three little headings. So if you like to take notes, this may be helpful. They are love, fear, and encouragement. So the first is love. So if you see in your Bibles at the end of chapter 2, verse 17. But since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time, in person, not in heart, we endeavoured the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face because we wanted to come to you. I, Paul, again and again, but Satan hindered us. Can you see that Paul loves these people a lot? It wasn't from a lack of interest or care that prevented Paul and his companions from staying longer with the Thessalonians or from going back to see them as well. In fact, he tried on multiple occasions to go to them but was unable to due to circumstances outside of his control. He longed to see them and although he couldn't see them face to face, he still kept them in his heart. You may remember back in chapter 1, he refers to himself as a nursing mother, caring for her children. Now the Greek word used by Paul translated for us as torn away literally means having been orphaned. It's the image of a mother being separated and isolated from her children. It's heart-wrenching, but it captures Paul's deep and intense emotions for them. If you read with me in verse 19 of chapter 2, For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and joy. These are strong words. It's the image of receiving a crown following a great victory, full of honour, glory. Paul here is imagining himself receiving a crown having finished his race, having served Jesus with everything he has. He says his crown, his glory, and his reward is the Thessalonians. That's a bit weird, isn't it? It's not exactly what you'd expect someone to say. If I was to ask a Christian friend what they're looking forward to as their reward and joy when Jesus returns, the answers would probably probably be eternal life or... You know, no sickness, no death, being with Jesus forever. But Paul says that his joy in the coming of Christ is the Thessalonians themselves. His joy, his reward, his crown when Jesus returns is that the Thessalonians have stood firm in their faith till the very end. It wasn't a way to increase his prestige, but a showing that Paul and the Thessalonians were so bound together in love that, their, that his joy was their well-being. Can you see how much Paul loves these guys? It's full on. I can't help but think of people I work with at school. I work at a, a primary school and in my department there's three women, all with two or three kids still you know, quite young in primary school. And when they get talking together, I don't get a word in. You can probably take a good guess at what they talk about. They talk about their kids. 
how little Sammy got a B plus in maths and how they got invited to a sleepover and how, you know, little Sarah's the greatest little tennis player that you'll ever see. The parents' joy is tied up to the well-being of their children. Their face lights up when they get to talk about them. I don't really know how healthy this, this is. Kids can kind of disappoint sometimes. There's some pretty dud ones out there, but you get the point. The children are their crown and glory. So the next part in Paul's emotional roller coaster takes us on a drastic turn. He experiences fear. Chapter 3 moves from joy, longing, and love to a deep fear, worry, and uncertainty. Remember, at the time of writing, Paul doesn't know how the Thessalonians are going. Was the persecution too much? Have they thrown the towel in? He doesn't know. Paul's inability to, to see them moved him to send someone who could. Look with me at chapter 3, verse 1. It says, Therefore, when we could bear it no longer, we were willing to be left behind at Athens alone. And we sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ, to establish and exhort you in your faith that no one be moved by these afflictions. Can you hear in his voice the crippling weight of his uncertainty? His anxiety to hear from them is just too great. He must send Timothy. A journey of over 600 kilometres, not out of obligation, but necessity. And this actually comes at a cost to Paul. He was to be left alone in Athens. Athens at the time wasn't a good place to be a Christian. It's a place of cultural philosophers and idolaters. You can imagine the sense of loneliness that Paul feels due to his self-commissioned abandonment. He is left alone to face the difficulties of Athens without Timothy because he just has to know how the Thessalonians are going. Now, whenever someone in my family travels, my mum always asks that we message her when we arrive. You probably have something similar in your family. Um, now, my family are from Armadale, so I've done the trip, six-hour journey, countless times. Um, my brother Cameron, who most of you might know, he's particularly notorious for forgetting to tell my mum that he's arrived safely. So you can imagine my mum sitting at home, you know, waiting for the text message to come through. She would feel uneasy, nervous, anxious, and the tension would build, the uncertainty grows, until finally she can't stand it any longer. She picks up the phone and she calls him. Now you can imagine Paul not being able to sleep because he fears and worries for the Thessalonians. We know how much love he has for them. And his affection means his fears made even stronger. Now let's look at verse 4. It says, For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction, just as it has come to pass, and just as you know. For this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith, for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you, and our labour would be in vain. Paul is genuinely afraid because he knows afflictions and trials would arise. 
Paul knows that as a young church, there was a very real possibility that things wouldn't go well for them. We just need to look at the other churches to see that. And if we go back to the imagery of a mother and her children, you can see young children need protection. They need role models. They need guidance. Under this, they grow physically and in maturity. Now, Paul was absent and felt powerless to help them, not knowing their eternal standing before God with a very real threat from persecution makes him very, very afraid. So Paul has been full of love and joy. He's been fearful and afraid. And now he gets word back from Timothy. So the next thing we see in Paul is encouragement. Chapter 3, verse 6. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you. It's good news. Not only were the Thessalonians sound in their doctrine and had actions to back it up, but they had retained warm feelings for Paul. They had pleasant memories of the preachers and longed to see them again. It's like when my mum receives a message from us saying we're sitting safely in the traffic of Sydney. She's relieved. And it's a similar story with Paul, but so, so much more. He feels overwhelming relief and joy. But more than this, when Paul hears it, he's encouraged in his own faith. Follow with me from verse 7. It says, For this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction... We have been comforted about you through your affliction. For we now live if you are standing fast in the Lord. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you? For all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God. As we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. He's incapable of expressing his joy and thankfulness to God. Paul is relieved, he's comforted, and he's thankful beyond measure that his friends are standing firm in Jesus. It was incredible news for Paul. It was a reminder for him of the faithfulness and the power of God. Although he wasn't there to support the Thessalonians physically, he didn't need to be. Their faith wasn't directly tied up to Paul. It wasn't a fickle, momentary response to the gospel but it was a real conversion and wholehearted devotion to Jesus. They were unwavering because God was sustaining them and enabled them to stand firm in the face of opposition. Now, if you remember, Paul is writing from Athens and in the midst of great distress and persecution himself. And he says, For now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. Even though Paul is copying an absolute battering of persecution, he says he can now live. He's saying, now that I know you're standing firm in the faith, I can be joyful. I can be unburdened and encouraged to continue to tell people about Jesus. After hearing about the Thessalonians, Paul is encouraged not only to continue his mission in Athens, but also to continue his support to the Thessalonians. Did you see what he was moved to do after receiving such great news? Look with me in verse 12 to see what he prays for. 
He says, And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, as we do for you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Now, there were two things he prayed for there. The first is that they increase and abound in love for one another. Now, this shouldn't come as a surprise. Love is mentioned so much throughout the Gospels and throughout the whole Bible. And it's actually said it's the mark of a Christian. That Christians should be known for their love for one another. And the second is that their hearts are established blameless in holiness before our God and Father. He's praying that at their core or at their heart, they would remain strong, unshaken and immovable in their faith in the Lord Jesus. Why? So they will be blameless in holiness at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Jesus is coming back and Paul is praying that the Thessalonians will be there on that last day, standing strong, pure and blameless before the Lord. Can you see that Paul is 100% obsessed, captivated and consumed by the eternal standing of these people? I can't help but see Paul's desires and feel pretty average by my own priorities. Over the summer holidays, I normally head down to Kayama for 10 days to do what's called a beach mission. Um, Down there you run events, uh, you make friends with teenagers, young adults, um, and you share your lives together. You share Jesus with them, um, and you get to know them really, really well. And over the year, I often like to check in on people and just, you know, see how they're going. And one guy in particular became a Christian last year. It was incredibly exciting, um, amazing. And I'm ashamed to say, but my messages to him are so superficial and absent of care that it's embarrassing. My messages are just along the lines of, hey mate, how's footy? How's your brother? How's his footy? It's pathetic, really. Am I concerned with his standing before the Lord Jesus or am I concerned with how the Dapto Dolphins are playing? Our world is full of broken relationships and poor attempts to love others. If I had Paul's approach, then my messages would be based on something of far more substance and value. I hope you can see the difference in Paul's and my priorities. Paul wasn't just concerned for their physical safety, but their eternal safety. Paul cares about their salvation more than anything because it is what needs to come first before all other things. He knows there is nothing more significant going on in the lives of the Thessalonians than their standing with Jesus Christ. Now, what we believe about our life after death is so important. It's unavoidable. We're moving closer every minute. So our actions need to back up our beliefs to reflect this reality. Now, you may be reflecting on your own walk with God. Am I standing in Jesus unshaken and immovable? Am I placing my standing before Jesus at the very top of my priorities? Do I value friendship, fellowship, and encourage my fellow brothers and sisters to keep going at all costs? 
Am I praying that I and the Christians around me be abounding in love? Am I showing the love of Christ? You may be thinking of those who don't yet know Jesus personally. And you wonder, is my concern for others similar to Paul's? Do I ache for the lost and desire them to know Jesus as their Lord and Saviour? Well, how do we do all this? Maybe it's we need to pray for one another, engage in those deeper conversations, be concerned with everyone standing before Jesus. And you may be here unsure of what you think about this all. And that's, that's great. It's good that you're here and that you're exploring Jesus. And can I say there's no better way to find, about, find out about God than reading the words he's given to us in the Bible. If that's you, then can I encourage you to ask questions? Read the Bible and seek God. Just like the Thessalonians, there is nothing more significant going on in our lives than our standing with Jesus. Our minds can be so preoccupied and distracted by this world that we forget what truly matters. That our lives on earth are temporary and the only thing that can give us true joy and true certainty is Jesus Christ the man who died on the cross to take away our sins and guarantee a life with him forever. We need to have Jesus as our Lord and Saviour and long for others to do the same. So let us show love and encourage one another so that we can stand confident of the saving work of Jesus when he returns.